Episode 60 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Well, hello, hello, and welcome on board with me and Justin today on Pilot to Pilot podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by AOPA and AOPA's Super Cub Sweepstakes. That is correct. You heard that right. AOPA is giving away a Super Cub. You can win a plane for free. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've always wanted to own my own plane, but I just don't have 50, 100, whatever the crazy price is to buy an airplane. So here is my chance and here is your chance. All you have to do is go to www.aopa.org backslash sweeps and enter before May 31st. You also have the opportunity to win one of 70 more aviation prizes. Remember, when you become an AOPA pilot, you receive over $300 in aviation benefits, a discount on your membership dues, a free welcome gift, and you are automatically entered to win the Super Cup. There's no purchase necessary and make sure you see rules for other entry methods. Join AOPA today. What is going on, AV Nation, and welcome back to episode number 60 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin, and I am your host, and today I'm talking with everyone's favorite Iceland pilot, Volcano Pilot. He's a must-follow on Instagram, especially if you're looking for some aviation inspiration and some personal inspiration. He is a, a great guy and someone that I'm glad to call an Instagram friend and hopefully one day a real friend. But some of the things that we talk about in today's episode are just the love of aviation, how much he truly loves aviation. Aviation. He's a, he loves to inspire through his stories and through his photography, and it's something that I think has just really done a great job. And he's had the ability to fly some really cool people and really show them the magic and the beauty of aviation. He also gets into talking about how aviation didn't work out for him as first, how he had some struggles in his career and talked himself out of becoming a pilot, but later came back to his dream of becoming a pilot. I hope you guys really enjoyed today's episode. If you do, leave me a review on iTunes. Check out our website, Pilot to Pilot HQ. Com. If you have any feedback, email me, pilottopilothq at gmo.com. You can also check out our Patreon page where you can get some awesome swag, keychains, and stickers, and t-shirts now, the $20 look club, at patreon.com slash pilot. Aviation, I do not want to keep you any longer, so without any further ado, here is Volcano Pilot. What is going on, Volcano Pilot? Thank you for coming on the podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, and uh, as your introduction, I would try to pronounce your name, but I would just do such a disservice to it and disrespect, so I'm just going to go with Volcano Pilot today. <laughs> well, you, you can try this out. We can test this out for a couple of seconds. Oh, boy. Haraldur. Haraldur. <laughs> almost there, but okay, let's, 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 let's move let's on. Let's do Volcano Pilot. <laughs> volcano Pilot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's typical American stuff, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and start. Let's, uh, first question I ask everyone to kind of break the ice and start the podcast is why aviation? What was your original interest in aviation? Mm-hmm. When I was, uh, probably three years old, I got this, this book from my mom and it was an American cartoon book drawn and it had these, it was about what's what's happening at the airports. So you had baggage handlers and check-in agents and, and ATC and, and pilots. And that page with the pilots and the plane, it was just, it's it's groped in my memory, like, <laughs> like in stone. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, I think, you know, pilot something, right? Flying planes and airplanes, fascinated with airplanes all the time. Uh, when it was about, I think five years old, 
I went on my first plane ride with, well, not my first, you know, in a small plane. It was a Cessna 182. And I remember where I sat in the plane. And I remembered taking off which runway and all in Reykjavik. And, and we turned around and, and landed again because the pilot, my, my uncle, actually forgot something to take with him. And, and <laughs> so, so we landed again and took off again. And, and I was about five years old. And, and that was something I wanted to do. Now, later in life, and, and I, I love to tell the story about, you know, why, how kind of teenage years uh, kind of bust your ego and, and, you know, you don't think of yourself as, as being able to. So mm -hmm. during those, those teenage years from, I don't know, 15, 16 or so, I imagined or I told myself that I would never become a pilot. And, you know, in retrospect, you, you see this as a complete fallacy, right? Mm -hmm. But um, the reason I gave myself was that I was too short. And uh -huh. I'm, I'm not, I'm totally not a big guy. And well, I always say I've never been in a plane that I didn't fit into. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's a, <laughs> that's a fact, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, when, when I got to 19 or so, we, we did these team days in school high school and I went to the flight school and, and took uh, um, uh, an introduction lesson. And after that, that was kind of, I, I just, I was hooked. I couldn't get this out of my mind. I, I really wanted to try it. And finally I, I decided, and I remember where, where, where and when I, I, I decided this and, um, checked in with with my sister that lived in woodland california at the time uh -huh. and there was a flight school close by in sacramento called the executive flyers oh cool i picked them and uh, decided to start my training in november of 92 oh cool so you were did you graduate high school then you're like all right i gotta be a pilot i gotta oh, figure out that. how to do yeah, this I, yeah I, I did that and and the uh within six or seven months i, I was in in California. Cool. What was your What was your original goals with uh, becoming a pilot? Did you want to be kind of flying for Iceland Air? Was that kind of on your your wish list? Yeah, or? That, it was. Um, it was kind of because uh, you know I went to California in November. I did my training in in uh, about six or seven weeks for the yeah. private pilot, and that was the uh, prerequisite for getting into the CPL studies. Uh -huh. And I got to the CPL stage without actually completing my, my practical test in, in the States. Oh, wow. Because Sacramento Valley tends to fog up in <laughs> December. <laughs> yes, it does. And there's just this layer of, of fog that's there for you know, weeks on end. So we couldn't fly and I couldn't take my test. And um, so I went back home. Uh, on January 1st and started class on January 4th or 5th. And I think I lasted a week until I said, you know, I'm, I'm in way over my head. Huh. So I quit. And that's one of those things that, that, you know, you, you'll always regret yeah. for not just, uh, pushing through and, and, um, sticking to the schedule. What, uh, what made you feel like you're in over your head? Um, there's a lot of lot of diff 
differentiation between FAA and and then at that time the athletic studies. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, a part of that made me feel that way, and also I thought the other guys were way better prepared for this. Sorry, the, I'm I'm. My dog is grabbing my attention here, so I have trouble with him just a bit. No worries. And um, yeah, then you know there, were, I, I think there were a lot of issues right at that time, financial, yeah. and, and you know you 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 thought you wouldn't make it again. That that uh, self esteem perhaps kicking in yeah. or not, you know, not helping you in that regard. And uh, I, I quit. Uh, my uncle that actually flew with me when I was five, that uncle of mine, he was the headmaster of the school. Uh, yeah, he was. So, so he, um, he actually said, you know, he didn't say anything, but he, he, he said something in the likes of, I, I think you're making a mistake. Yeah. But, you know. You say that in retrospect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can kind of, oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I can kind of um, sympathize with your thoughts on that because, I mean, whenever you go to try something new or whenever you're starting aviation, like there's always someone that you feel like is doing better than you. It doesn't matter how prepared you are, how ready you are for it. There's always someone that could be, that's going to be better than you. There's always someone that's going to study harder than you. There's always someone that's going to make you kind of feel inferior and kind of be like, man, they're the better pilot. Like, what am I doing here? You know? So it's definitely something that a lot of people go through. And I think that's something that is just life in general, that there's always someone that's working harder. There's always someone that, that puts more time in, you know? That's absolutely true. But then again, you know, if you, if you think about it, that you're one of the population, you can't be everything. You can't be, you know, Einstein in aviation can't be, <laughs> you know, w- whatever role model or, or, or mentor you look up to, right. you're not there. But they also have a head start on you. They could be, you know, sons or, or daughters of pilots, and they've been brought up in the aviation world. Yeah. And, and they, they've been in this for, you know, 15 years when, when you finally start get going right so you know did you follow the same track no nobody follows the same track and and that's one of those things that you know you have to consider when you're a pilot you'll never be you know perfect but you should always aim for it right absolutely yeah so what what one of the best um lessons my current wife um uh, taught me when 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 we got together some fourteen years ago. She she asked me why are you always comparing yourself to others? Oh, that's a good question. And and I I go like I I don't know I I have no idea I've always done this right. And um, she asked me the the deeper question. Does it make you feel any better? No, of course not. <laughs> Definitely not. No. <laughs> so, so why should you put that unrealistic standard of someone else without seeing his um, whole whole life, yeah. his whole picture, right? Because you always think, you know, oh, he's living just a good life, and oh, he's, uh, you know, uh, this and that. He's so smart, and he's, or is he so beautiful, or you know, whatever. And, and what, why would you put yourself through that 
unrealistic uh, comparison. Uh, so that that kind of you know, for, that was 14 years ago, and I'm still working on it. Absolutely, everyone right? else, of course. Yeah. Mm. That's a that's a deep question because I mean it's it's something especially now with Instagram where everyone kind of sees oh wow like this guy's flying the seven eighty seven or look how cool Pilot Maria's life or you know just kind of the aviation <laughs> influencers or even like the Kim Kardashians but you don't know the full story of their lives you know you don't know what the struggles that they have because everyone has struggles it doesn't matter how successful yeah, you are true. you have your own demons you have your own struggles you've had things that you've had to overcome to get to where you are so it does you no good to compare yourself yourself to someone like that what you i mean it's it's easier said than done right like i do it all the time Never. i'm like man i wish i could be this or wish, when i was playing football in college i've always wanted I was like man i wish i was faster i wish i had a better arm i wish <laughs> i could do this you know i wish i was tom brady but there was always something huh? yeah there's always something that you can do better and even like, when you look at uh, the uh, you mentioned the kardashians which i'm not familiar with but i know <laughs> consider Maria, yourself lucky yeah. <laughs> but uh you know and, and it's it's the open open life of, of social media yeah. right but it's not real no you know it's not I'm not always flying having fun you know it's 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 a big part of what I do and and it's um, you know I, I will always say that that flying raises my happiness levels and it does to an effect that you know you meet people that you would otherwise not have met you engage with them and you have fun and you, you know, do some fun stuff flying and, you know, flying here in Iceland is, is pretty, pretty awesome anyways, you know? So in, in terms of, of, you know, daily life, um, I, I wake up, take my dog out walking mm-hmm. or to the airport and, you know, I have to pick up his shit and, and stuff like that. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not always fun. Yeah. And then I have to work as well. Mm? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, I mean, anything in the career, anything in aviation, or any career. And I like to say this is like, no one cares about the stuff you're going through. You know, it's like, you can make excuses for everything of why you can't do this or why you can't do that. At the end of the day, the only person that cares about your career is yourself. Like your followers don't care. They just are there to see the pictures, see the content. It's like, you need to be in this for yourself. You need to, to recognize that this is something you want to do and go after it. You know, a hundred percent. That's, that's totally, you know, and I think that, that, um, my followers get it, uh, that, you know, this is something that, that I want to do yeah. and I wouldn't be able to fake that, that person that is volcano pilot, Yeah. but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty upbeat and, and, you know, talkative and, and <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't know, I love your whatever you call it. Yeah. And, but you know, you, you can't put a person in that situation, um, and, and say, do this, right? Yeah, no, for so sure. There, there's a lot of my personality that, that goes hand in hand with that guy you see, you see on Instagram anyway. Yeah, a lot of realness to it. Oh, there is. Yeah. Yeah. Except for my, you know, I've, I've, I've been posting more, uh, more a while back with with my my fascination for whiskey <laughs> now you know from the looks of it 
you might consider me a, a total non-recovering alcoholic. <laughs> non-recovering. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's maybe, you know, I'm, I'm totally not an alcoholic. Yeah. I like whiskey, but I'm not drinking it every day. Right. You know? <laughs> Just like I'm not flying every day because, right. you know, I got to work too and there's weather. Yeah, Iceland's <laughs> known for not having the best weather. <laughs> um, yeah, I was talking to a ferry pilot a while back. She had completed, she's almost up to her thousandth ferry flight. Mm-hmm. She mainly flies, flies TBMs from the factory in Tarps over to, to uh, America. Yeah. And she always stops by here. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to her. We did a flight together and, and um, from Tarps to Iceland. And, and I asked her, what's the most you know, difficult weather you've had? And she goes, Iceland, always Iceland. <laughs> always she's Iceland. flown all, all over the world. Yeah. And it's from a person that, that is not flying all the time up 37,000 or 41,000 feet. Right. right? She's in the, in the weather, in the soup. Right. And uh, yeah, we, we have interesting weathers. Yeah, you do. That is uh that is an understatement. I personally haven't flown there before, but I follow some other pilots that are uh that live in Iceland and it's just like dang, it's still snowing, it's still windy, it's still <laughs> gusting up to fifty knots. It's like what the heck? Yeah, yeah. It happens. <clears throat> yeah. Let's bring it back a little bit to what we we're talking about. Um so you were in class kind of to to become a pilot and you kind of recognize that maybe you were in over your head, or at least that's the kind of mm-hmm. the thought process you were in. What was uh what was your next step? Did you totally walk away from aviation or did you just kind of do it more on a private level well the thing was i i got i got married to my first wife yeah uh, shortly thereafter and then you know kind of family things and started my own business and mm-hmm. ran that and and it was just time consuming and and all that so you i i kind of drifted away i did did you know a few hours once in a while but um so in 1998, so six years after I, I initially started, I, I got the money and uh, what do you call it? Uh, I made the decision yeah. to, to complete the uh, PPL. And I did, fortunately, at that time. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, from there on, I haven't lapsed for a long time. But in... And, and in 1999, I started my CPL. Oh, cool. So I completed that and, and ATPL. And at that time, it was separate. So I uh, got my ATPL at that time, which is now the EASA FCL license, right? Yeah. And um, did my flight instructor rating and, and everything. Now, uh, with with that in hand, there was, there was absolutely no nothing to do in Iceland, right? Yeah. Where uh, this this main company that that hired was Iceland Air, and they would hire from the uh, domestic carriers or the small airlines or, or operators here, and they then they would hire somebody new, right? So it's a step by step process. Nobody would get into Iceland there, you know, without having flown somewhere else before. Right. The time changed uh, later on, but at that time, I didn't see any any job prospects in Iceland, so um, we moved to Denmark. Okay. And I had a 
had a guarantee of a job there, and I was I was supposed to take over as a as a instructor at the CPL um, uh, course in Roskilde, which is close to close to Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. And um, this was in August two thousand one. So we moved there, and I start my introduction into. Um, their practices and all that, and and I had to get up to speed in in <clears throat> my tennis, which was a, a very high school level. <laughs> when I moved, we learned tennis in school, but we we don't use it. Yeah. So when you get to Denmark, you don't understand anything. Right? <laughs> you could read it, you could read it, but you can't speak. And you, yeah, you're using not it in a conversation. <laughs> no. No way. Yeah. So um, I start that, and then I'm because I ran a company here back home, and I had to be uh, in Iceland every two weeks or so. So at one point in Iceland, I'm at the office and my brother calls me and says, there was a plane that flew into World Trade Center. Yeah. And I go like, you got to turn on the TV, it's live. And I do that and I, I go like, shit, this is, this is going to be something. Yeah. So uh, the, week, the following days, I, I get back to Denmark and uh, uh, the guy that I was supposed to leave, he didn't get his job with SAS and held his old job and and i i was there you know kind of doing nothing for for the uh, for the first few weeks or mm-hmm. so and uh then absolutely doing nothing yeah <laughs> and, and the guy said you know this, this, we can't we can't hire you so i i, I did like a, a course or so in in meteorology at the time and um i taught that in English and Danish, uh, kind of mixed. And uh, then I did nothing for, I didn't work within aviation for probably two years until an airline startup here hired me for their station manager job in, in Copenhagen. It's crazy how September 11th, like obviously I'm an American, I live in the <laughs> States, like I like it affects us because it happened in our country, but I don't necessarily mm-hmm. take a step back and think about how that affected every country, you know, like selfish American that we it are, is. we always think about us, but it's, um, I don't, I don't think about like how it affected other countries. I don't think about how people in Denmark couldn't get a job with an airline because of what happened in the States. You know, it's just crazy to me to kind of think about that, but it had a whole worldwide reach and it did it's it did. what was that what was that like watching that for you because I, I was in sixth grade and i remember it just felt like the world was coming to an end like the emotions i, I couldn't even kind of explain the emotions that i had because my country felt like it was being attacked and you're seeing this and my dad was a pilot i mm-hmm. didn't know where he was he actually was i think he was getting ready to take off in a new york airport i think i think it was okay. LaGuardia, and he actually said that he saw the second plane hit the tower so it's just everyone experienced mm-hmm. that in so many different ways but what was that experience like for someone in Denmark watching that happen on TV? Yeah, it was, um, it was weird. You know, I, um, I haven't really thought about my emotions at the time, but, but I, I sensed that this was something, this was going to be big yeah. and it would affect me in some way and especially aviation. Right. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of the, the foresight at that time, but, um, and it, it severely did, you know, but when you think about it, Airline operations are all about statistics and analytics, right? So when this happens, the analytics staff and 
uh, the forecasters of, of, of demand, they go into panic, right? Mm-hmm. People won't travel anymore and, and they will at times, and this is just nature of economics and, and human behavior probably, that uh, you, you will over or underestimate uh, something happening. Yeah. And of course, people didn't stop traveling. Um, goods were still being transported throughout the world by air. Um, there wasn't, I mean, of course, you have to be on top of your game and all that. But doing forecasts is extremely hard, especially about the future, yeah. right? So you, you, maybe they overreacted, uh, but there was a, a slowdown in the aviation industry and, and we all, uh, it affected everyone. Yeah. Right? And you said it took about two years before you landed at another aviation job? Yeah, aviation related, okay. right? And probably I wouldn't have gotten the job without being a pilot, but um, uh, yeah, I, I got into that job and uh, I, I told them at the beginning that it, you know, I consider this a stepping stone, uh, stepping stone into the 737 cockpit. Yeah. And um, he said, yeah, you know, they, they need pilots just like you and, and let's get this ball rolling. And But then it turned out that I had to pay for my own training, the uh, type rating. Oh, no. 37. <laughs> that would and, be expensive. Uh, it, it was. It was about at that time, um, and it hasn't changed a lot. It's about... 23,000 euros, which is probably 26,000 US. I'm having a heart attack just thinking about spending that much money on a type rating. You know, you think about it. it, it, Sorry. No, you're fine. You you think about it in terms of, you know, people having young people having no prospects of of a job, right? You've already invested... 100,000 euros or so into your training to become a commercial pilot. Mm-hmm. And then you have no job offers whatsoever. Nobody's kind of got to hire a 200, uh, 200 hour pilot. Right. And then they go like, well, if I buy the type rating, I will have a better chance. And many people do, especially in the Eastern European countries. Yeah. And of course, of course low cost carriers, they, they tend to do this. They tend to sell type ratings and hire young pilots and, and get them up to 500 hours on type or so, and then they're off or not. Right? Yeah. So at that time, that was the offer on the table. And, and at that time, I couldn't accept it because I was just recently divorced and we had an arrangement with the kids that I would be it would be with me one week and, and uh, one week with her mm-hmm. and you know, all, all these just life happens, right? Life does. So happen. I, I, I didn't do it. I didn't go that route, moved back to Iceland a couple of years later. And, uh, since then mainly worked within aviation uh-huh. and still working within aviation relation. Like, uh, we, we make apps for pilot unions and, and cabin crew unions. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a story for later, maybe. <laughs> but um, that's that's a very interesting factor in, in meeting pilots and you know visiting other countries, and we travel a lot because of that. Uh, so 
yeah, that's 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 a nice thing being within reach of aviation and and being able to you know in 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 this what I do on online volcano pilot is you know I I have flying on my own terms. I don't have to wake up at four a.m. <laughs> to you know board a flight right. and fly somewhere over to to Europe or in the states or whatever and. And stay there and come back when the uh, office tells me to. Yeah, or right. when the winds are gusting to sixty knots, you can be like, "Nah, I think I'll stay on the ground today." <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you you don't you don't have that pressure to go out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting to hear just how many different aspects of jobs there are in the aviation industry, especially with technology. So, technology and the introduction of iPads, apps computers has just completely changed how airlines work right and it's just it's so crazy to think it's like there's legit aviation themed jobs in every aspect of it like customer service you can do you can clean the planes like it's its own kind of manufacturer it's its own business like it like you can do everything in aviation and talking about creating apps like i didn't even think about the the need for the apps for the airline so obviously they need apps for customer facing they need apps for the unions mm-hmm. they need apps for the pilots they need apps for weather they need apps for this so you kind of noticed the need for that and you created that and i think that's really cool yeah well uh, it it wasn't my idea, yeah. but my my friends who is a uh, captain for Iceland Air, oh cool, and uh, he realized there was a need there, and he w- works with the union a lot, so and as a union guy, so they he he started this up, and I've I've been kind of uh, helping or assisting that for the last five years. So. Yeah, what um so what does the app necessarily do? Is the app for kind of <laughs> Well, it's mainly a communication app for airline uh, unions okay. so, or airline pilot unions. That's where we started. But uh, later, and that was, you know, I have a BA in, in BS in business administration. So I I used to work as a business consultant as yeah. well. So I did, uh, you know, financial forecasts and, and marketing plans and, and business plans and all that and kind of helped. Cool. Uh, startups going, getting to the next step with, with financing or getting investors on, on, on into the company and stuff like that. But uh, for the last three, four years, I haven't been really in, in consulting. The app is a communication solution for, for basically every kind of group that has a board or a, an office or needs kind of, some kind of a control. Okay. So this could be, um, I don't know if you're familiar with city apps, like you, you would have a, um, a city app for, for New York where New Yorkers could, you know, handle all their issues with the municipality okay. or district or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, so this could be it for, for, small cities or large, whatever, uh, or any kind of group. We started out with airline pilot unions and we've expanded into cabin crew unions now. So that's, that's the next step. And then municipalities and, and cities are, are the next step. That's awesome. So I it's kind of cool. Yeah. It works, works nice. That's good. And it's a cool, cool app. Let me know when you create one for Chicago because uh, that's where I live. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Chicago in July. Hey, hit me up, man. I live in Chicago. Let's hang out. 
Are you going to Oshkosh? I'm trying to, yeah. I, uh, I'm i waiting for my schedule, so I'm trying to see okay. when, when my schedule comes out. I want to go. Are you? Is that yeah, where you're going, to go to Oshkosh? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, we, we, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with a guy, um, on Instagram. He's, he's called the globe master. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah. Okay. John Millman. Yeah. So he was here flying with me and, and having fun. And, and he, he said like, like AOPA and States should have us come visit and have a social meeting greeting, like a social, you know, get together. Yeah. Meet up. Kinda right. Yeah. So and he said, you know, Pilot Maria could be there, and we could be there, and you know, so so I pitched this to my friend who's a marketing manager at AOPA US, mm-hmm. and he loved the idea. So we're doing it. Nice. And this will be the first, the first time in Oscars that they have this. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a social influencer, but <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you're more there. of a social influencer than you think. I know it's like, you feel like maybe you're not like a pilot Maria, but like, you're definitely an influencer. You definitely help influence the aviation community. Well, the nicest thing about this, and that's where I get my, you know, my good feelings from is when people send me their, pictures from their introductionary flights yeah for sure that's cool yeah, the messages are amazing like, you you were my inspiration to do this and, and that's crazy you know i, I almost get tears in my eyes when yeah. people uh, figure out how aviation can fit <coughs> can fit them yeah, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite parts too, is when they're like, Hey man, like I, I'll get some message to be like, Hey, like listening to your podcast has made me want to change my career. They're like 30 years old. They're like, I've always wanted to be a pilot and hearing all these other aviators that have changed their career when they're 30, it just made me, and they're like, I quit my job. I did this. I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I'm sorry for making you quit your job, but like, <laughs> I'm happy that I you're going to aviation. To yeah. It's like, I didn't say quit your job. I mean, that was your own decision, but yeah, it's, it's really cool to, to see kind of the, the influence that you can have and just that these stories and just your pictures and your account can help change lives. It's really cool. It is crazy when you yeah. think about it, right? Because you, you, Instagram is a is a crazy good medium for you know connecting with others. Yeah, and and that's what I love to do. I love uh, connecting with people all around the world. Absolutely. And when people realize that you know, because the marketing aspect of pilot education is pictures of people in uniform flying in the airlines. Yeah. Right. That's that's the marketing appeal, but nobody. You don't see pictures of, you know, flight schools offering PPL training or, you know, showing some super cups on, on Alaska boost wheels. Right. This could be you, you know, that's, that's not the marketing thing that we see. Maybe it should be because there's a lot of freedom in aviation. And, and when you become a pilot, you realize what this freedom means, yeah. you know, so it's 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 crazy good when you think about it. And it doesn't the, mean just yeah, it doesn't mean just becoming an airline pilot either. It's like you said, it's like I think there's a, the old adage in the community is you're not a, you're not a successful pilot or you're not even a real pilot until you're flying a, a seven thirty seven or you're flying for an airline. You know, <laughs> it's like as yeah. I, I continue to build on my career, I was like, all right, I finally got hired to fly three ten to fly aerial survey, but it's like 
I still felt weird telling people I was a pilot. And then I would go, mm. then I went to a freight airline or not an airline. I went to, I was a freight dog. I flew freight and I was still like, I felt like I was a poser. I didn't feel like I was a real pilot. <laughs> and then I got hired by a corporate job and it's like, I mean, I'm a real pilot. I have over 4,000 hours and I'm still like, well, I don't fly for the airline. So I guess I, I don't know if I can call myself a real pilot, you know? And I think that is a failure on our part. I think that was kind of like the last, the, the heyday and the last 30 years and the ups and downs. It's always been, Hey, you have to be an airline pilot to be considered a real pilot or to have a good career. And I think that's just now changing. I think that social media and Instagram has a lot to do with that. They show how cool mm-hmm. it is to fly a float plane in Florida. And now more people are yeah. like, Oh, I want to go fly a float plane to the Bahamas. Or like you said, all the bush planes that are, that are taking off and whether it's Alaska, whether it's just the, the West and the States, it's, it's really cool to see. It is. It is. Because even even in into this aspect, uh, flying in Iceland hasn't been really. You know, uh, uh, people, international pilots haven't realized that Iceland has a very thriving community of GA pilots and GA general aviation in in in, in general yeah. <laughs> general aviation, and and uh, people are realizing this now, and and. American pilots, I get emails almost every day about pilots in, in the States that want to fly to Iceland and are asking me directions on, on how to do that. <laughs> so that's that's awesome. That and not, not only American, but of course European as well. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just opened up another kind of romance in aviation. And I interviewed, um, a while back and they said that they feel like we've lost kind of a romance with aviation. Maybe we're getting greedy with money and stuff and want all the money in airline pilot. But I think mm-hmm. that it's just, we're finding that romance again for aviation back when aviation started, when it was like super fun and super cool to go fly. So I'm excited for the future. It is exciting. I think there is a lot of, um, misconception about how aviation is is perceived mm-hmm. in 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 uh, within the general public yeah. and people don't realize how actually easy it is to become a pilot yeah it's a real so pilot yeah. you know flying, pilot. <laughs> flying flying tailwheels and, yeah. and super cups and with bush and, wheels you know, on yeah. yeah yeah you know that's that's i flew with a uh turkish triple uh, seven pilot uh, year ago, yeah, and we land. We take Scooky and my dog with me, uh, <laughs> with us, and we land at a you know not even a strip, just a field, and we go out there, and it's beautiful sunny day, and, and he goes like you know almost with tears in his eyes, and he says, "This is what I want to do." Yeah, I go like you. You're flying the triple seven, dude. That's like the ultimate goal, and he says. No, this this is the real flying. So I go, oh, well, maybe he's right. It's crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. I, I feel like, I mean, yeah, like fly the triple seven or even my job or airlines in general. It's just like point A to point B. You know, do the same thing on a different day, Groundhog Day, over and over and over again. And it's easy to. It's like we talked about earlier. You get to fly on your own terms. You get to to, to fly when you want, when the weather's nice, and you get to do some really cool things and enjoy the true freedoms of aviation. So I, you mm-hmm. definitely have an envious part in the aviation community. Well, I, I sometimes ask my my friends, captains with Iceland Air or wherever, when was the last time you hugged your passenger? 
<laughs> because I always, well, there are exceptions, of course, <laughs> right. but I always get hugs and kisses after each, each flight. That's awesome. <laughs> if I don't fly with that, you, I'm not going to kiss you. Don't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be, okay? Yeah. <laughs> We're, we're in good terms, though. There right? you go. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about kind of uh, flying in Iceland. So you mentioned yeah. that it is a thriving general aviation community. Kind of talk about a little bit. Kind of talk about uh, why it's thriving. Kind of, uh, I know it's a small country. So is there a lot of pilots in Iceland that are general aviation pilots, or do they mainly fly just right. to go fly for Iceland Air? Well, uh, both. You're right on both terms. There are many that that. Um, go into pilot school and they complete their studies mm-hmm. and they go fly for Iceland Air or actually now the uh, collapsed Vow Air, wow, which, yeah. was, uh, which was a pretty pretty big airline. Yeah. They, they hired a lot of pilots. Um, now there are probably 270 pilots that, that are without a job. So, you know, if you want to hire good good Icelandic pilots, let me know. <laughs> uh, so they're, yeah, they, they would complete their training and they would go w- fly for the airlines mm-hmm. and they wouldn't sit in a single engine airplane ever again. And that's a sad fact, Yeah, but it happens. It happens everywhere. Right. So it's, it's just, just for the job. Uh, what we've been trying because, um, yeah, I have to say this because, it's an important thing of what I do. I'm, I'm the president of AOPA here in Iceland. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And, and uh, because of that, we've been trying to influence more people that are flying for the airlines to get back into general aviation and, for sure. and do it for fun, right? Because they lapse on their single engine piston privileges, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, you know, try to make flying fun. And whenever I, it's, I've been doing this probably for, I don't know, five years now, every two, uh, every six months or so, we in Europe meet up for kind of coordination within, within Europe. And, um, several years ago, I remember they were talking about, you know, all these problems with EASA and, and all these problems that are related to flying and yada, yada, yada. And I said, guys, listen, you know, we will never, ever be able to recruit people into AOPA, different regional AOPAs, or even flying, if we're always negative. <laughs> true. So we, so we much have true. to, we have to change our, our appearance. We have to talk about how fun this is and why we got into this in the beginning. Right. Yeah. And, and of course there are problems and of course there are issues that we have to fight. We, this is a freedom worth fighting for. And we do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But we cannot forget why we have this freedom and why we worked so hard to become a pilot and retain those privileges. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so they actually are international AOPA. Uh, we've, I think we've done quite well in presenting ourselves in a different way. So this is, you know, it's a freedom to fly. We have 
this privilege, incredible privilege of being able to and allowed to fly around the skies. And, and it's, it's precious. It's worth fighting for, but that's not the only thing we do. We have to uh, remind people and tell people how absolutely fantastically fun this is. And we can make it fun. So let's let let's make flying fun again. Huh? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, make flying fun again. Yeah, I think you should make some red hats with that saying on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not red. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Let's, let's. You promised me before we started this we wouldn't talk about politics, <laughs> and we're going to stick to that. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. No, I mean I agree. It's. Uh, yeah, I think that. We have done a terrible job in the industry of making flying seem fun. Like obviously Instagram has helped. We've posted a picture of all the good times, but really whenever you get pilots together, I feel like the first thing they start talking about is like, man, my airline did this. I can't believe that I'm doing this or <laughs> I'm getting paid this where I deserve to be paid this or this company's getting that and that and that. It's like, well, hold on. Mm -hmm. It's like, remember when you were a private pilot, when you were dreaming of flying a 737 and now you're actually doing that? It's like, take a step back. And I'm guilty of this too. I complain as well. Pilots are the best complainers. We always need to be paid more when we always need to fly as little as possible. You know, the whole, the old saying, but it, we just need to remember, take a step back our first solo and remember why we love aviation, that we're getting paid to do something that we absolutely love to do. Imagine if you go into into the cockpit every day and you say to yourself, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this shit. Yeah, really right? well, too. Yeah, really well. And, and that's that's one of the things that, you know, you, you have to mindfully put yourself into that, into that um, mindfulness of being grateful for what you have. Right. right? And, and telling yourself, you know, why you're doing this. You're not doing it. Yeah, you know, I don't fly for the money. That's one thing. Yeah. I still love it. And I, yes, once in a blue moon, I fly with people that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I won't become friends with, <laughs> Yeah, but they're still nice people, you know? And you have and aviation in common. Yeah. <laughs> and not even that we have photography in common oh, or yeah. the love for this country you are, you know, the, the love for experiencing something awesome, you know? So it's, it's those kind of things that, that tie you up in that society we call, you know, pilots or photographers mm -hmm. or adventures groups or whatever. And it's that passion. And yeah. if you don't have passion for it, you know, it, it, then you're in a sad place. Without doubt. And I, I, I still consider myself very passionate for aviation, very passionate for flying. And, but, you know, I, and I want to, want to keep my safety record <laughs> in that, in that regard <laughs> as Absolutely. well. So I don't do, you know, stuff that perhaps other pilots would be doing, uh, because I don't have the, uh, qualifications to do, do so, but I still love every aspect of flying. Right. Mm -hmm. Except airline flying is a passenger coach, but that's another story. <laughs> Sitting in a middle seat. Yeah. No, thank you. I'll pass. Yeah. Talk about some, so you, you've obviously fallen your account for a while. You've flown some pretty cool people and you've flown a lot of friends and some aviation influencers like pilot Maria. Um, talk about kind of those flights. What are some of your favorite flights? Does one stick out with maybe who you've flown or a reaction of when you flew someone? Hmm. 
That's not an easy question. No, I, um, I asked the okay, hard questions. So, so <laughs> the, the, the reason that I am on Instagram, this probably would have come up sooner or later, you know, but the reason I, I joined Instagram was I was flying with a photographer um, who was called Chris Burkhardt. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't know him at that time. I, I, he was just, he came through another friend, right? And we met up at the airport and, and went flying and we immediately hit it off. He's a, he's one of the, um, you know, gems that you, that I've met being been fortunate enough to meet in, in my life. And, uh, you know, he's, he came in from the fair islands at eight o'clock. We we're airborne at nine o'clock or so. And he has another flight to the States, back to the States at, five, uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon. So we had limited time together and we're flying and he's just shooting and he's just going wild. Right. And I'm, I'm telling him, you know, we, we have to get back. We, we really have to get <laughs> you back. Just, just here, just here. Right. Let's, let me shoot here. Just, just here for a while. And he's so passionate. Right. Yeah. And we're going to like, okay, this is it. You know, I got to go full throttle now back to Reykjavik and, and, and we landed, and uh, but be, just before we landed, he goes like, "Dude, are you on Instagram?" And I said, "No, I, I, I'm not. Facebook works well for me." I say, "No, you you got to be on Instagram." No, uh, <laughs> let's let's get that. <laughs> no, promise me, you'll be on Instagram. <laughs> I, I can't promise anything, but that, later that week or the week after I, I signed up for Instagram and, and, um, and called myself, um, by the company I, I have Volcano Air. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I soon changed that to over to Volcano Pilot, which was, I haven't regretted it since actually, but Chris was a huge influencer, um, on me in terms of getting on, on Instagram. And when I started this account, um, all of a sudden I get like 300 followers. Yeah. <laughs> I go like, what? <laughs> you know, what What happened there? So Chris had actually tagged me in a picture. Oh, there you go. That always helps. And at that time, and this is, I don't know, five years ago or so. And at that time he had like 100,000 followers. And that was crazy. I I, I was going like, who can have like hundred thousand followers? I don't know what he's up to now. He's probably three point five million or something. <laughs> Dang. Oh and gosh. and and whenever you know these kind of people tag me on those pictures, I I get like an extra thousand followers or something. So it's it, it's a nice thing, yeah. right? And and people come to me because I've been flying with Chris, and he's so well respected in the. Uh, in the uh, photography world that people that know him, which is pretty much the majority of all, all photographers yeah. on Instagram, uh, they, they know that we've flown together and that's why they're contacting me. Of course, you know, because photographers come to me, uh, it, it's a ball that keeps on rolling down the hill Absolutely. because they, yeah. they start tagging in. And they they grow their their followers up to I don't know in the millions, right? And it's all like that. It's it's the uh, the magic of of uh, social media. Yeah. 
What's uh? Here's a question. What is kind of the best time to fly in Iceland? Is it because obviously we talk about how crazy the weather can be, but say is it springtime, summertime, fall? Is there a particular time that's the best time to go fly? Let's say summertime. Summertime when we have the most um, frequency of flying conditions. Okay. Now you get those flying conditions in the winter too. And sometimes, you know, winter flying is just absolutely breathtaking yeah. because there's snow over everything and the light and this, the shadow play of the shadows is just crazy for a, for a photographer like me. But, um, and the conditions are usually good. You know, if it's cold, it's probably sunny, but, uh, windless. Mm-hmm. So we always have turbulence around mountains and stuff. It, it depends on, of course, the uh, velocity of the wind at that, those points. But usually you will always have, you know, a bumper tool in a, in a flight. <laughs> yeah, just but, a couple. But yeah, in wintertime, it can be still just, it can be floating around the sky. Yeah. I've like seen it. I remember seeing a couple uh, of videos that you did where it was too cold and you guys had to lay <laughs> to warm up your hands and people sitting in the back were freezing their butt off and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, you know, you open the windows to, to take shots, right? Yeah. And have those windows open is, uh, it gets cold. It does. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It does. What, uh, what altitude got, do you, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, one more, one of my friends, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he got uh, cold fingers, like cold sores oh, on his no. fingers. <laughs> and it took him three or four months just to get feeling back oh in his fingers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but the thing is, when you're in the moment, you're you're not feeling this. No. Right? Your adrenaline you is rather, pumping. Your adrenaline is pumping in. And you're just shooting your, your the best shots of your life, right? And you can't miss it. But when you get warm again, you start feeling that you have no feeling <laughs> you kind of red staring that those fingers are not working as they should. Jeez, almost so, lost his yeah, fingers it, for the photo. <laughs> it, it got cold that yeah. day. That's part of the territory though. What altitude do you normally fly at when you're flying around Iceland for kind of a volcano air flight? Mm, does it just it range depends. depending on the topography that you're flying over? It does. Okay. It does a lot. Of course. Um, usually I don't go that high. Uh, we, I think, you know, from a photographic perspective, the maximum, it would be like, I don't know, two or 3000 HL that can go up all the way up to actually 10,000 feet here in Iceland. That's the highest elevation is at 8,000 or so. What's the uh, airspace like in Iceland? Is it uh, obviously it's a smaller country? It's a more remote country, well, not so uh, smaller, more remote country, but uncontrolled uh, for the most part. Most of it's uncontrolled. Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. and that's the good thing. That's the brilliance of it, right? Yeah. So six miles out of Reykjavik Airport, you call yourself out. You're on a flight plan, like a VFR flight plan, uh-huh. but uh, that's that's oral, so you you don't have to file a physical, you know digital or, or paper yeah. flight plan, um, you you call it in. And that's kind of a safety thing that we've, we want because, you know, if something happens and you're stranded somewhere, they, they will go looking for you. Oh, cool. Right? And obviously the conditions are pretty bad. So if something happens, I'm guessing time is very critical on saving it your is. life. It is. 
And, uh, you know, there, there was an accident when we talk about that. It was an accident a couple of years, couple of years, probably five years ago, mm-hmm. where a plane hit a mountain up north. Oh, no. It was on a file, uh, on a file uh, flight plan, but it didn't have a 406 ELT. Uh-huh. And uh, it took them eight hours to locate the plane. I think it was eight rather than seven. And at that time, you know, uh, the guy they found alive was in in a terrible state, yeah. of course. And it would have helped, you know, him having a 406 or, or a PLB or something, you know, that they could track him down in, you know, immediately and know that there was something wrong. Yeah. But they were, they just started looking for him when, when he didn't show up uh, two hours after he left up in the north. Dang. So time is of the difference. Uh, to- totally makes all the difference. Yeah, there. it does, for sure. So we, we file flight plans in Reykjavik out of controlled areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, six miles out, you, you're out of control. <laughs> out of control zone, not out of control. Right. And uh, there you're, you're, you do almost whatever you want to. That's fun. And this is this is pretty awesome when you com- compare this to flying in the states or in Europe. Uh, you have military zones, you have no-fly zones, you got TFRs and uh-huh. all that. You don't have any of that. Oh, cool! Except in around the airports, and of course, as a pilot, you you know where those are. But uh, in terms of you know just general flying, you. You're limitless. So the safety falls on the pilot, essentially. So the decision-making of the pilot really is kind of the, the key source and how high you fly above the mountains or terrain. Of course, critical, okay. critical point. Yeah. Uh, but when you compare this to flying in Europe or in the States, uh, and I've flown with a lot of pilots here as well, and they all go like, just, they're amazed of the, of the freedom yeah. that we have here. Uh, there is no, you know, we don't have to call every now and then on the radio. I can actually shut my radio off when I'm flying out there. I don't do it, but I could legally. Um, there isn't that much traffic in around. So the only times that you're really, really, um, you know, vigilant about traffic is, is when you approach another airport, mm-hmm. right? The states here, you might be flying through a training zone without you knowing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that me when you know pre GPS and all that, you would be flying around, and and all of a sudden you see a a plane next to you doing stalls. Right? <laughs> yep, that's happened. <laughs> <You should>. yeah. <laughs> turn <laughs> left, turn left, turn left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's um you you don't worry about that here. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I mean that's the ultimate freedom. Then you're right. That sounds like a, a blast. <laughs> And one thing that uh, you talked about the thriving GA community here, we have higher, we, uh, Icelanders rocket per capita uh, statistics. Mm-hmm. So we have the highest number of pilot certificates uh, per 100,000 inhabitants. Oh, no way. That's cool. Well, we, we have the highest population of pilots in the world. That's awesome. And even, even compared to the States, I think we're like, two or three times higher than the States uh, and even higher than Alaska, which is the most populated pilot per uh, inhabitant 
area, then you have more more pilots here than than in Alaska. That's so cool. It is, and when you think about it, you know most of those pilots are flying for the airlines, and and we have a few airlines, uh, so, but many of them are also GA pilots. That's awesome. No, GA, GA flying is amazing, and I want to get back into GA flying. Um, I fly a, a business jet, which is a little bit more fun, I think, than flying for the airlines. I get to go to all the cool airports in the States, and uh-huh. I get to go to mountains. I get to go to the beaches. So I want to take it even a step further and start flying a 172 or an Aero or something a little little lighter, a little more fun, and a little more freedom. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. I, I completely agree with you, and, and I think you should. It's the next step. You, you, yeah. <laughs> get, get your your SEP rating there. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. And every pilot that I know, they, they say this, right? I have to get back. I have to do this again. And uh, my friend who's the the app guy that I work with, they go, he's always, you know, we are always going to do this. He's always going to, but we never have the time to you know, do it eventually. <laughs> but sure. will. This summer, definitely. I'll make it. I have a rapid fire section for you. Oh boy. The rapid fire section is going to be a bunch of random aviation questions where you just list the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> you ready? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> you don't have a choice. So here we go. <laughs> Do you prefer Cessna or Piper? Cessna. What is your favorite plane you've ever flown? Uh, Cessna 170. What is the ugliest airplane you've ever seen? Airvan. GA8 Airvan. <laughs> Australian I, made. Okay. I don't think I've seen it before, so I'll have to Google that. What is your favorite airline to fly on? Iceland Air. Least favorite airline to fly on? Wizz Air. Wizz Air. Okay, that's an unfortunate Wizz name. I can't, I can't think I have, <laughs> I can't think <laughs> I, I've flown I flew with it yesterday. Oh, so no way. That's the most recent <laughs> one, and I did not like it. Yeah. Customer service or just uh, the total experience? Just total experience. Yeah. You know? it, it was just, I've flown with with. Well, Ryanair at one. Ah, you made me remember that I flew with Ryanair once, and that was like, you know, going into a slaughterhouse as, yeah. a, as a lab. Right? That's funny. It, that I'll never fly with them again, probably. But Wizard kind of reminded me, <laughs> resembles that experience, and oh, I'll geez. probably ne- never fly with them again. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what is your favorite type of uh, geography to fly over? Do you like beaches, the mountains, um, kind of <laughs> wide open area where you can fly as low I'm as you want? Go, I'm going to say Iceland. Okay, just Iceland because in general. Are, just Iceland in general, because that's. Um, of course, I'm a little biased in that, little that respect, <laughs> but I've flown in, in California, I've flown in, in Kentucky and, and Florida, and I've flown in New Zealand, Australia, Europe, you know, and there is no place in the world that compares to the scenery that you have over Iceland. Yeah. That's just, that, it isn't a doubt. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, other pilots say this as well. Right, and all Icelandic pilots. Uh, there's there's a special air over here. 
For sure. I, I mean, I see it just on your Instagram, so I would agree. It <laughs> makes me jealous every day. <laughs> oh, let's let's keep it going. Huh? I know, right? Until you get here. All right, here's another one. What is a dream plane of yours to fly? So if you could choose one plane, it could be a big business jet. It could be a 777. What is a dream plane you've always wanted to fly? Hmm. I, <laughs> I would say a uh, Cessna 185 on floats. Okay, there you go. That'd be cool. <laughs> now, business jets I would love to because you're you would be going places and and you would be traveling somewhere mm-hmm. far but in in general for just being able to land next to a beach or next to you know uh, uh anything basically that would be it and the system 185 of course you can change it over to skis as well or or big tundra tires right so yeah. it's a versatile aircraft but in terms of that, yeah, let's just say Cessna 185. All right, there you go. So 185 in general, cool. Yeah. What is kind of your aviation Mount Rushmore? So who would you put kind of historically, it could be people that are alive today and flying, but maybe like your favorite three pilots or three contributors to aviation, who would they be? Aren't there four on Mount Rushmore? Well, yeah, I was just going to have whatever, however many you want. Three is <laughs> okay. usually a little bit easier to number, but yeah, there are four on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> okay. um, I think Captain Sullenberger. That's a good one. Uh, would be would be one of them. Uh, not necessarily for what he did at the time, but the amount of PR he gained in the uh, in the aftermath of it, and what he said, and and all that. Um, Dagfinger Stefansson, which is a local pilot as well. Uh, he is 93 years old. Oh my gosh. I had the privilege of flying with him over to, uh, uh, the States for his 90th birthday or just before his 90th birthday, because he always wanted to fly Jenny's. <laughs> you know what a Jenny is? Uh-uh. Okay. It's a biplane built in 19... 19- 13, I think it flew for the first time. And he always wanted to fly something older than himself. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretty old. And he always wanted to fly jetties. He wanted to be able to say, I've flown everything from jetties to jets. That's so cool. And he has over 28,000 hours in the air. That's awesome. And he's still flying. And I'm hoping to fly with him this summer again uh but he he's definitely there he's um he's a terrific guy that's really cool um yeah i would, I would you know I'm, I'm a bit biased in that regard too uh put a guy called magnus nortal uh, you can see him on aop iceland uh instagram story he's he's an old pilot as well very active and uh, we flew together a year ago or so doing um, wheel landings on the Cessna 170, which are not, you know, I, 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 I'll admit that I haven't been using them um, for a long time. And I asked him to go with me and he's like 90 years old. And he goes <laughs> like, of course, you know, and, and shows me how to do it again. Right. And he's just one of those guys that, that keeps um, aviation alive. He still flies his, his Yak 55, 
aerobatics uh, plane. That's crazy. And, and he, he loves every aspect of flying, right? And, and just, you know, the personalities of these guys are, are totally different, but in general, they are, you know, the role models that you want to be when you, you're yeah. at 90. Right? Absolutely. I hope I'm still, still flying. Being, yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah. You know, that's and, awesome. Um, there are loads of more. I mean, there are pilots all over the world right. that are doing extraordinarily fun things and, and interesting things. Um, I can't name them all, no, of course. Not at all. <laughs> but but you, you see this as an inspiration to what you could be, yeah. right? And when you have that inspiration, it's it's something to go after and, and say, you know, what what can I do in order for that to happen? And that's that's why I would name them them. Love it. Sullenberger, for example, being able to handle, handle a very difficult situation in a calm and, and decisive manner. And, but also raising public awareness on, on, on the state of aviation or the state of airline aviation yeah. in general in the States. For sure. Uh, that was, the, I think that, that is a very, was a very good thing for just opening people's eyes. And we can do this too. You know, we, we talked about earlier about making flying fun again. Oh, this is something that we can do, you know, with, with the right kind of marketing, with the right kind of PR. Absolutely. And one of those things is Instagram and, and Facebook and social media in general, YouTube as well. Um, there, there are a few channels on YouTube that, you know, you, you see people flying their, their planes and they, they do an excellent job of, of, um, promoting aviation, general aviation, how, how fun this can be. And, you know, their, their struggles and their hurdles that they have to come get over and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's fun to watch. No, YouTube. So, yeah, I would agree. It is very yeah. fun to watch and it helps show the love of aviation and just the dynamics cool. of aviation. And I, I love it. You're right. Got a couple more for you. What is one thing Good. you always have to have on your person while you're flying? I'm guessing for you, it's going to be a camera. So if that's your answer, you got to say something else. <laughs> Phone. Phone. Okay. Cause it has a camera. <laughs> because it has a camera Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you can always, well, most of the time you can contact you know, if something happens and you're in contact. So yeah, phone. All right. Never what fly is, without. What is, and a good pair of headset. Yes. And some sunglasses. <laughs> uh, not necessarily in Iceland. Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm a sunglass guy, man. My eyes are, my eyes are very sensitive yeah, to the sun. So get in the clouds and I'm out there squinting. Yeah. The thing is, you know, I, I almost never fly above the clouds. So okay. I don't have that luxury problem. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. What this will be the last one, I think. And, oh, I have to add to this: never fly without the barf bag in the plane. Oh, because you never know who might get sick. <laughs> you never know. And this happened to me uh, many years ago. And my son, who was then uh, probably twelve years old or so, he had gone with his mother to the ice cream store. And gotten this Slurpee, multicolored and flavored Slurpee. <laughs> uh oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't oh. have to finish the story. Do no, I? you don't. <laughs> Everyone knows what happened. <laughs> just minutes before landing, this all came out into oh, my sweater, no. which was fortunately a fleece kind of 
thing. Yeah. So he it, it held it, you know, liquid wise. But you know, you don't want to have that happen no. to you ever. Cleaning up vomit in the, your plane that you don't want that. So always have a barf bag in the plane. On the side note to that, on the other side though, don't let them know that it's available because I've always heard, like I don't tell people there's a barf bag because they start thinking about it. They start, then they start fixating on the fact that, oh, well I could throw up on this barf bag, you know? Would would you rather them not knowing about it? (laughs) I've never had to clean up a plane full of vomit, so I can't really say. I'm not going to agree with you. I always tell my passengers where the barf bags are. That's funny. And I say, you know, they're hardly ever used. Yeah. but don't be ashamed. You know, yeah. it happens to the best of us. That's funny. Oh, cool. The last uh, rapid fire question I have is what is, well, there's two parts. What is your favorite and least favorite airline livery? <laughs> ah, damn. There's so I many. I don't think he, there are so many. And I'm, you, you know, I'm not the, I'm not really interested in airline liveries, uh-huh. but I'll tell you the best one. There you go. The best one was when Icelander puffed up their their um, seven fifty seven and called it Aurora. So they painted the plane uh, seven fifty seven and and kind of um, Northern Lights uh, oh, livery. Cool. Yeah, that's really and cool. And you can find this plane anywhere on the internet, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Icelander seven fifty seven um, Aurora, and there you see. Uh, just the perfect livery of any airplane, right? It was a huge marketing success. <laughs> the least, I'm, I'm going to say Ryanair again, just because <laughs> I, I mentioned them before. Because your personal vengeance against the airline? <laughs> maybe it's that. I'll never be hired by them anyways, because I would, I'll never apply with them. That's funny. <laughs> so, so I'm kind of in the So you're in not the burning any here. bridges. There you go. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, you have successfully survived the podcast. I do have wow. one more question for you. Dude. And it is a relatively an easier one, but it is. So let's do this. You are at Oshkosh. You're doing the meetup that you talked about. You have mm-hmm. someone come up to you. They say, your account has inspired me to become a pilot. I just want to do what you do. What are kind of three tips that you would give this future pilot in becoming into to, to the aviation community, to starting his aviation career? Okay, first off, stick to the schedule, right? Don't let, you know, stick to the long-term goal of becoming and completing your mission of becoming a pilot, right? Don't let any, you know, Distractions uh, blow you off course in that that uh, that goal for that goal. Um, another thing, remember that pilots are a community. You're never going through life alone, right? And you'll always need a helping hand somewhere where you go. And pilots are usually, and I, I say that you know by generalizing. They're usually a nice group of people. Yeah. And you can always get some help or or assistance. You can always find a mentor. You can always ask someone to go fly with you because you're not confident on, on this or that, right? And and it's a it's a community that spans, you know, across its borders. Um that's what I've learned through my Instagram account at least. I've got invitations of flying 
you know, pretty much anywhere in the world. And I love that. It's, it's a, it's a community worth engaging in mm-hmm. and, and making it stronger by being active in it. I agree. Okay. Yeah. The 100%. third thing, the third thing is just find the joy, find the joy in flying and find the joy in, and you know, what, whatever flying does for you, it might be, you know, being able to travel quickly in between places. That's fine by me. You know, uh, you would use your private jet, which is not my kind of flying, <laughs> but you, you, you would use that for, you know, being ab- able to be at home in a quicker way right? to be with your family or whatever, or you could use it as a primary means of, of, uh, getting paid. That's one thing. Um, when I discovered that I could take decent photographs from the air, that was my, you know, there I hit the jackpot, but flying means different things for different people. Without a doubt. And, and some, some find solace or some find the fun in, in doing hard aerobatics, which I, I don't do. <laughs> yeah, right? I'll pass on that. No, thank you. <laughs> that's an awesome thing for you. There you find that for you. Yeah. And some other would be, you know, herding cattle in, in, in uh, Australia with their planes. Yeah. That's perfect. That's a perfect example of how, how flying can fit you. Or in New Zealand, where I flew uh, last year, uh, there, most farmers, or I, I wouldn't say most, many farmers have their own plane. And they would do crop dusting on their planes. Yeah. Right? And they would be able to get in between you know, the farm and the, uh, the town to buy groceries. This is something that Alaskans also do, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's flying for you. And that, there you use that privilege in the right way. Of, of being able to accommodate for the needs or just like me, make me happy. And, and I, I said before, and I'll stick to that, you know, flying, flying raises my happiness levels. And if I don't go flying, uh, like I, I've been grounded for a couple of days now because of weather, Right. Yeah. And, and I was on a business trip before that and I haven't flown in like 10 days. Oh, no. I'm getting jittery. <laughs> right. <laughs> gotta go, and gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gotta feel yeah, the gotta air. Go, gotta go, gotta go. <laughs> and my wife, um, she once said that, um, maybe I was a little more addicted to air than most others. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe just a little. Yeah. And only a pilot knows, you know, the feeling of, of being grounded for whatever reason, whether it's weather or medical or your plane is out, you know, or, or something. Yeah. Only a pilot knows that feeling of, of it's true. You can't even, ex- I don't have the words to explain it. I know, yeah. Frustration and desperation I and agree. all that come, come together in one emotion. Going like, I have to fly. Yeah. 
I love it. I love those answers. And one thing I'll add to when you, I love how you said find the joy in aviation because that's different for everyone, right? Like everyone has their different joys in aviation. Like someone might love aerobatics. Like you said, someone might love jumping out of planes or find people that jump out of planes. Mm-hmm. So find what you love about aviation and hold on to that because it's going to yeah. get tough. Aviation training is hard. It is, it can be very demanding. It can, you won't like it at some point. Like you, yep. you find yourself in love with it right now, but when when you are having trouble grasping a concept, you're going to have some hard times and you need to fall back on the love that you first had. And so always hold on to that and always remember that because when it gets hard, that's what's going to help you get through it because you don't want to walk away when it gets tough because you might no. regret it in the long run. And so stick to that joy. So I love how you said that. Oh, thank you. Well, it, it is true, you know, doing QDM and QDRs on the ADF uh, when I did, did my instrument training, that was I've never had more frustrating time in learning, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, but as it clicked, you know, and all of a sudden the picture kind of came to me and, uh, Oh, Oh, it's that easy. Okay. So then you, there you go. Yeah, you, sure. you, you reach some point of knowledge or, or competency in, in doing something that you otherwise wouldn't have. Right. And that's one thing about becoming a pilot that I think it it, in in all terms uh, raises your level of uh, self-esteem to a point. Um, It not just because you're a pilot, but being able to control the plane safely to the ground again. Right. And doing it in kind of a not necessarily professional manner but in a safe manner right yeah and that's that would raise anyone's uh uh levels of of self accomplishment or self esteem yeah you know? without a doubt <laughs> and then when the days when you can't land after when you just can't figure it out <laughs> because those days happen too i have terrible landing still to this day with over four thousand hours so and you're, you drive away from the airport and you're like what the what heck was the that hell? yeah what the hell happened there yeah it's like damn I yeah, you that. Pry, your, pry yourself to sleep always and, yeah but it's all it's over the next morning yeah, right? over the next morning then you put down a greaser and you're like eh, i'm back yeah. yeah, that's that's where I know myself. Yeah, huh? that's where it is. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I was looking forward to this, awesome and I know here. I've been bugging you for a while. So I'm so glad that you said yes, and I'm so glad let's, that you're willing to come on. That, let's say you're persistent. I'm very persistent. Some people might find <laughs> it annoying, but yeah, hey, I wanted. To, I think thing. that you have a good story, and I wanted the world to hear it, the aviation world to hear it. So I'm very thankful for you coming on. Um, if you're ever in Chicago, if I'm ever in Iceland, I'd love to hit you up and meet you and kind of talk a little more. So let me know, and that, uh, maybe that, one day we're gonna we have show. you on again. Awesome. Sounds Look forward good. To it, man. We can uh, debrief a little bit once we get off, but thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too, Betty. Thanks. Take care. And that is a wrap of episode number 60. Aviation, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And as I said earlier, please leave us a review on iTunes. Give me some feedback at pilotthepilothq at gma.com. I love learning from you guys, learning what I can do better, how I can create the best content for you all. And don't forget to enter the sweepstakes. You have the chance to win a Super Cub with wheels and floats from AOPA. Go ahead and check out that website I mentioned earlier and enter as many times as you can so you can win this sweet Super Cub. Aviation, as always, happy flying.